And welcome back to the website, cpluscomedy.com. Nope. Welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. Uh, hold on, give me a second. Welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like soon as it says, the website, go there. <laughs> back to using the Yeti on the stand it came with. <laughs> like a friggin' idiot. <laughs> This is episode one ninety, I think. I don't know one eighty nine, one ninety, one of those. Let's uh, let's go to a conference. Let's get let's open the file folder to, to get some confirmation because last week I was way off one ninety. Uh, as you, as you, and also as you recall last week, um, my uh, I, I broke like three minutes in to this epi- to the episode to that episode rather, I broke the stand that is currently sitting next to me. It is uh. I've had it for, I would say, comfortably, about uh, six years now. The show, the sequel's comedy itself is eight. And <laughs> I was twisting it. Well, let's just do a recap. I was twisting the side that tightens the the axis of the arm that is vertical, the vertical axis of the arm. Vertical? Yeah, the vertical. It controls the verticalness of it. <laughs> the swing part of the arm. And, uh, and I think what happened after the fact, I looked after the thing, it looks like the screw that, or the bolt that connects the two of it, I guess it just stripped, uh, cause it, there's no traction. <laughs> it's just going all loosey goosey, man. So now we're back to use, I had to go into my closet, go into my coat closet where apparently this was. Uh, and dig out. No, no, no. It was in that. It was in this. It was in a blank thing next to me. No, no. It was in my coat closet. It was in my coat closet. In a in, a, in an old box that I used to carry. Uh, fun fact: you can you don't even know what the box looks like. It's an old. Uh, imagine a box that came with a bunch of reams of paper, and that's what I used to pack my Xbox 360 in when I was going to college. To it from college. Anyway, <laughs> all that to say is. Uh, I had to put the blue Yeti back on the stand it came with. And it's a it's a darn fine stand, but it's just not for me. Hey, we're about two minutes, 33 seconds into this, so let's get on with the episode. <laughs> oh, also, uh, I have uh, been laid off, <laughs> so there's that. You know, in an, an entire year of a pandemic, after a company is bought out, and they say, we're not going to lay anybody off. Your jobs are secure. Don't worry. They tell you that in April. They tell you that in May, June, July, all the way until December. <laughs> when it gets conspicuously quiet. <laughs> when they say, hey, man, we managed to get you guys uh, secured in your positions. <laughs> uh, cut to two weeks ago when they say, uh, hey, buddy, you're gone. <laughs> Then they give you the boilerplate. Oh, we appreciate what you've done for the company. Oh, you've, oh, you're such a company asset. Stop it, Nova. I am telling a story of how I was laid off. <laughs> uh, and so that's where I am right now. Laid off, no job prospects. Uh, during a pandemic, in an industry that is notorious for being tough to stay to a get in and b stay in <laughs> and um here I, is where i am <laughs> so there we go <laughs> that's my life <laughs> now we're four minutes in <laughs> and all i have left is this stupid website 
<laughs> that makes me zero dollars. But it's all right. That's not what I'm doing it for. I do it because uh, it's great to have. You know, if I was hiring, if I was a person who was hiring, if I was a company that was hiring, and this person has been doing a website interview, <laughs> interviewing comedians, B-list, C-list, and B-list and C-list comedians, and uh, uh, and making a weekly podcast and a weekly news show, I would go. You know what? I gotta give him a job because I feel so bad for him. His microphone arm broke. All right, so let's get into it. Hey, but at least uh, at least news time, you know, knock on wood, is going to be the best it's ever been. <laughs> the best it's ever been because I got all this time now. Okay, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, WWE Network joins Peacock. This comes from The Wrap, written by... Tony Maglio, WWE Network, to fold into Peacock. Excuse me, this thing that had to pop up on the wrap. You turn off your, you turn off your ads for these websites, and then they just give pop ups all the time. Fold into Peacock is part of their five dollar monthly premium tier. Uh, of course, you can also get uh, Peacock with no ads for ten dollars a month. But who would do that? Oh, you know what? There's another Peacock story later on. So I should move that up. Doing a little producing in the middle of the episode, so no big deal. Please hire me. <laughs> I'm a very good producer. This show is not indicative of it. <laughs> WWE Network is going to be moving into Peacock. Um, and this is... WWE Network was something I didn't know existed, but it makes total sense. You pay $10 a month to watch all the WWE matches that you possibly can instead of, you know, having to sub- subscribe to cable or some type of YouTube TV or sling or something and get TNT and then have to watch it that way. Or, you know, catch up on Fox broadcasting where I think raw is now airing, uh, instead of TNT, TNT, which is what I was, um, saying, but it's uh, beginning March 18th. You're going to be able to do all that with just Peacock. Now this is interesting because I did, uh, report this week on this week's episode of News Time, which is about um, streaming international, you know, P- like Netflix and HBO Max and Peacock and Apple TV Plus and the rest of the streaming uh, networks, uh, how streaming works internationally. But I talked about Peacock and I specifically talked about how uh, Peacock is, or NBC is dropping um, NBC Sports and. Um, uh, the NBC Sports Network, and they're going to uh, air everything that was on NBC Sports between USA and Peacock. So the re- and then P- and then Peacock also has the Premier League, um, but there's some issues because all the games used to are airing, you know, in structured blocks as opposed to airing at once. And anyway, whatever. Okay, so that, that doesn't matter. Watch News Time. It's a very good episode, a really good episode. I, I am surprising myself for this first month of the 2021. And it's, it was interesting that they're positioning NBC Universal is positioning Peacock as the alternative sports place to go. Whereas um, ESPN Plus has, you know, all the mainline stuff and then, uh, but it's also ESPN Plus is also, you have to go to the ESPN app and as, as opposed to a regular ESPN Plus app where you can watch uh, stuff. Because they used to have watch ESPN, but now they just folded everything to ESPN proper. 
Um, and there's no, for now, until Hulu, uh, you know, allows you to access ESPN Plus, which was said was going to be coming in the first half of 2021. Uh, they're going to start putting ESPN Plus stuff on Hulu. Um, but now, you know, Peacock is going to be, is this sports competitor, again, at $5, whereas ESPN Plus is uh, right now currently 5 but I think they're bumping it up to 6 next month. But this is this is great to have WWE. I don't watch WWE, but this is great to have all of WWE stuff on there. You know, I tried. I really tried. I tried to be a wrestling person. Uh, same way I tried to be a um, uh, Star Wars person. I really, really tried. And then I just couldn't get the heck of it. Because <laughs> it's just not me. And uh, great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like wrestling at all. But I respect the heck out of those people. Good for them. Um, when WWE Network rolls into Peacock, it'll bring more than 17,000 hours of new, original, and library content in both on-demand and 24-7 program channels. Peacock itself boasts more than 47,000 hours of programming. The streaming service within a streaming service will roll out one signature documentary annually beginning in 2022, the two parties said. Interesting. WWE Network carries, so here's what they have on WWE Network, which will be rolled into Peacock. USA Network's Monday Night Raw and Fox's SmackDown. It also has USA's NXT and original in-ring shows NXT UK and 205 Live. I don't know if that is. Okay, but continuing on with uh, Peacock. Peacock is said to have over 33 million signups. This comes from... The Hollywood Reporter, Peacock, hits 33 million signups. NBCU earnings drop despite film profit increase. Now, this is talking about the Q4 earnings, which were, which were reported today. Uh, NBC, so 33 million signups. And that was before The Office moved from Netflix over to Peacock. Uh, now, people do drop streaming networks or streaming uh, platforms based on shows ending or shows going on hiatus. That's one of the big things that uh, Netflix is trying to stop. They're trying to, you know, that's one of the reasons why they keep putting out stuff is so that you can find the next thing to be interested in. So, uh, Witcher ends, The Witcher, first season ends, and then you go, all right, I'm not interested in Dairy Girls. I've never seen that show. I don't know why I'm picking on it. Uh, (laughs) I'm not interested in this show. So I'm going to stop subscribing and I'm going to, you know, put that $15 towards something else. Assuming that you're paying for, you know, the 4K version <laughs> or whatever. I don't know why you would. <laughs> you know, if you're one person and you're streaming, you know, for one show. I would because I am I love wasting money. As evident by my bank account and all the streaming services I subscribe to. <laughs> so... Uh, Peacock exceeded 26 million signups at that uh, in December. They had 22 million signups uh, in their quarterly earnings report from before, from before December. Uh, and then their film line is not doing too hot. But hold on, I think I saw something else. You know, I think I, I, whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter. Anyway, just know that Peacock is uh, is doing pretty well for a free service. Same thing for HBO Max. I believe that that has 37 million signups, uh, and that was because of Wonder Woman. Please, hey, hey, get away from the camera. There's only one. Go, hey, 
God, she's being such a little diva. Okay. <laughs> oh, also, okay, so let's move. So I moved that one story up. Let's uh, move this other story up. This comes. This also comes from THR, written by Natalie Jarvie. And excuse me, I don't know if I uh, mentioned that the other one was written by uh, George Zelai. So this, this one comes from Natalie Jarvie over at THR. Spotify tests audiobooks with Frankenstein, Jen Eyre, and other literary classics. So these those books are in the public domain, so they're allowed to record with them. You're allowed to do whatever you want with that. But Spotify released a small collection on Monday of these books, and now they're going to try to broaden their uh, audio horizons, which is which I find very interesting that they would jump into the audiobook sector uh, because you can't really purchase things within I mean you can buy tickets and stuff but you have to be a fan of that uh, that artist if you want to buy tickets inside of the I don't know if you can buy inside or the merch inside in the Spotify app which would I assume take you to outside of the app to do so um, but jumping into audiobooks would be a very interesting bet for them more so than podcasts um, because audiobooks have been dominated by audible and the physical media of buying it on disc and stuff. I remember seeing Harry Potter on audio tape and seeing watch it looking at the cassettes and just you know there's so many. And then and then I saw like a CD version it was still so many. <laughs> just so much. The company is characterizing the release as one of uh, many tests that it regularly runs to help it improve its user experience. But in success, the initiative could give Roadmap Town a take on giants in the space. They have a ton of books. I recommend uh, Mary Shelley's uh, Frankenstein, which is something I read in high school, which you probably read. Uh, I don't like Jane Austen, so I'm not going to say read Jane Austen. The Awakening there. That's interesting. Great Expectations, classic book. Jane Eyre, I hate. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. There's only one other book I hate more than Jane Eyre, <laughs> and that is um, Ready Player One is the worst book in the entire world. Anyway, this is this will be a, a cool thing for them to do. Interesting thing for them to hop in. Listen, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have some more stuff to talk about. So let me just unlock the iPad. <laughs> Here we go. Let's get a break. <laughs> One welcome back to the show. Just had to make sure that the microphone wasn't unplugged for a second. Oh, the cat's looking at me. She wants to get fed. So what's it like to be um, laid off during a pandemic? Again, I wasn't fired. I was laid off because the uh, EW Scripps company believes it best to lay off uh, an untold number of people during a pandemic. Even though they said, and I believe the uh, president of the company went on uh, CNBC a couple of months ago and talked about how well they were doing. Any losers. It just causes a lot of worry and I just need, uh, you know, a job. But again, I I live in a city where, you know, uh, there's a, there's a mass exodus of, um, not mass exodus. There's an exodus in California uh, because, you know, taxes are so high to shoot there. And so people are leaving. But then uh, now, I, I guess there's some, I guess, you know, sh- a lot of shows are still shooting there. And and people are just like leaving 
California in general. Uh, I saw a video on CNBC's YouTube channel that that, I, that talked about why is there this uh, mass exodus, and uh, and people assume that all of that comes to Atlanta, <laughs> which it, which a lot of it does, um, but it's just so difficult to to land any type of job doing anything there. No, in the industry, uh, and anybody who says it's easy is either a subject of nepotism. <laughs> Or, uh, uh, or they've had like one secure gig forever. What are you looking at? <laughs> Let's move on. YouTube has talked about paying artists and creators on its platform. And apparently it has paid them more than $30 billion over the last Three years. That's ten billion a year if you can do the math. Written by Julia Alexander over on The Verge. Uh oh boy. I don't know how to say the <laughs> the CEO's last name. CEO Susan Wojcicki. That's like Wojnowski. Wojnowski from uh, ESPN. And Wojcicki's. Uh, first letter to creators of 2021, the CEO spent some time addressing YouTube's growth. The number of new channels that joined the company's partner program, which allows creators to advertise to earn advertising revenue, more than doubled in 2020. Uh, interesting because they changed the parameters for the partner program, uh, which de, um, defunded, which caused a lot of creators to lose their ad dollars. Uh, so this is very interesting that, that they brag about this. Um, cause it used to be, you used to be like, if you, if you had, uh, well, first, if you had, uh, if you had a channel, you could monetize any video. Then they turned it to, if you had 10,000 subscribers, then you can only, then you can monetize you, anything lower than that. You can. And then I think they changed it again, but I don't really know. Cause, uh, <laughs> comedy does not have that many subscribers <laughs> 113 baby they're probably all bots youtube also contributed approximately 16 billion to the U- u.s gdp in 2019 supporting the equivalent of 345,000 full-time jobs uh, according to an oxford economics report that would watch highlights the letter also focuses on the work youtube's team still has in front of them glad that they know that they saw a lot of work uh, mainly transparency, which, yeah, this is good, uh, especially where content strikes and advertising dollars are concerned. So YouTube is, is uh, the, I, I would say like the past like couple of years, they've just been striking uh, a bunch of videos uh, and, and not even like a bunch of videos that were like uploaded recently, just like videos from people's past. And it's whether because uh, a song sounds like a song or no reason at all. I mean, this, this just happens and uh, it really... And as much as I hate, you know, YouTube creators, uh, it messes with their money. And uh, I dislike that. I dislike that when someone is as much, even if I dislike them, I'm going to keep reiterating that. Even if I dislike them, they they are they are able to find that crowd and uh, make their hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. Uh, and then, you know, YouTube has this automated process that just <sighs> takes away from them. Uh, Wadziki noted that, Jesus, at that, at that, the, uh, blank, uh, good Lord. Should I pause? 
Nova's looking at the door. <laughs> uh, Wojcicki noted that at the, quote, scale we operate, it's hard for creators to keep up with changing community guidelines. And now here comes a boilerplate message, uh, which is what, which is how um, my supervisor uh, started emailing me. As soon as uh, she told me I was laid off, she started sending me boilerplate emails. <laughs> oh, God. After Woodsicki's letter states that YouTube wants to be better about communicating changes to avoid strikes. After three strikes within a 90-day period, the channel is terminated. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so this is I I do I do like the way that they are moving, but I do think that uh, this transparency thing needs to be it, it can be front and center, but um, there needs to be a a quicker style of talking, a dialogue, way of dialogue for them, because you just hear this all the time that uh, that somebody's channel has been demon demonetized. That's the word I was looking for. That 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 a channel has been demonetized, and this person is in the um, and now they're just like wondering how they're going to get the revenue back. I I mean you know and since YouTube is <laughs> truly a monopoly, uh, and I mean, and you know sometimes I, I people people complain and then. Somebody always floats the idea of having a YouTube competitor, but there's no one really built for that. Um, and, you know, barring you know even having Google as a as its parent company uh, or Alphabet rather, uh, which owns Google, which is Google basically. <laughs> there's 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 no possible way for someone to come out of the woodwork now and say, "Hey, this is going to be a YouTube alternative." Because IGTV was trying to do the same thing, and uh, it's safe to say that that is very stale, and it just <laughs> and it's just used as a um, a way to post longer videos on Instagram, longer undiscoverable videos on Instagram. <laughs> I dislike IGTV so much. I mean, I love that it brings length to videos, uh, but it just it makes your videos undiscoverable. Um, and uh, as evidenced by when people now post long videos, I see on Paul Shear's uh, Instagram account. Uh, instead of posting like a clip from his, you know, Twitch talk show, he he cuts it up into you know five one minute chunks. <laughs> so because people will see that versus the IGTV stuff when you post it to your regular account, uh, to your account uh, as this, as this one long video, no one sees it. Anyway. Um, and then Vivo, not Vivo, Vimeo is not a, cannot be a competitor. Uh, I think even Spotify and I think Apple Music does have videos on, uh, it, Apple Music does have videos, but it's the video itself. I mean, but you can't really search a video on Apple Music, uh, at least I don't think. Um, anyway, Vimeo is not, Vimeo is like the auteur is YouTube. That's like where I would post a reel or something. I wouldn't post it to YouTube. Uh, so there's, there's no competitor. I mean, it's just, this is, this is the kind of, uh, state, this is the state we live in, I guess, of it all. Hey, let's move on. Cause I don't, I'm not really a huge, uh, YouTube head speaking. Oh, speaking of LA, LA, Los Angeles filming hit low records due to the pandemic reports. Fines. This comes from THR written by Bryn Sandberg. I'm going to tell those people to stop having the time of their lives. I'm trying to record my very low subscriber count podcasting. 
We're in a pandemic. <laughs> this research comes from Film LA. The organization's latest reports found that the production that production activity picked up considerably in the fourth quarter of last year to reach 7,003, uh, what? 734 shoot days. There's a comma between the seven and three. Uh, but that compared with the same period in the year prior, which was 9,839 shoot days. Maybe, maybe that's missing a number. <laughs> it should be 7,300 something. Uh, yeah. Cause why would they have 734 shoot days last year? Even still, I can't find the thing. Oh, I have to sign up. No, I'm not doing that. So let's say 7,300 shoot days compared to 9,839 shoot days. Its overall fourth quarter production was down 25%. The Q4 increase over prior periods in 2020 was largely tied to the return of television production, uh, which this week, as we speak, Gavin Newsom did say that uh, stay-at-home orders are lifted, I guess. I guessed, I guess. And people can go out and stuff, but Why? Uh, the 3,996 total shoot days for television in Q4 even surpassed 2019 levels. Wow. Just 6% increase, though. Reality TV, which was logistically easy to get up and running amid the pandemic, was the biggest television driver in Q4. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of, uh, you know... Because Netflix is looking to do more reality stuff. I read that this week, or heard that this week. Um, that that Netflix because it's easy to produce and it's it gets you a lot of money. Bling Empire, for instance, uh, those dating shows they do. Um, death death by dating, <laughs> death by dating is just a bunch of deaf people dating. I th- I think they have a deaf dating show, uh, and then uh, date, there's an autism dating show. I think I'm not sure. I don't remember, uh, but they have a lot of dating shows. Um, so yeah, HBO Max and uh, Netflix and. You know, I can even see Disney Plus hopping in there with a bunch of uh, reality stuff. So, of course, that makes sense for reality shows to do that. Uh, I think, let's let's get down to scripted TV categories. They were harder to do, but shows did come back. Blackish, Mixedish, uh, The Goldbergs, uh, all doing their best <laughs> to keep people away from each other. Like I said, I mentioned on the Goldbergs, there was a uh, a wedding episode and everybody would go in for a kiss, but then it would end up being a hug. <laughs> a moment where we're supposed to kiss would be a hug or uh, they cut away from the kiss at the wedding and, and just turn to the crowd and everybody was like, oh my God, so sad. So beautiful. Scripted shows accumulating dramas were about 1,228 shoot days in Q4. Uh, which is a f- oof, boy, and then the total shooting w- for dramas was twenty four twelve, which is a forty six percent drop from twenty nineteen. Wow, TV comedies had two hundred shoot days in Q nineteen, forty six percent drop from uh, from excuse me Q four in twenty twenty, forty six percent drop from uh 479 in 2020. Oh, two uh excuse me, 2331. So that's a huge drop. Uh and then that's not even considering film yet. So we're at a point where these shows need to get made and production needs to be done because uh the companies are losing money and 
as uh, HBO Max can attest to. <laughs> um, stars are not getting paid, and creators are not getting paid. Stars and producers and uh, directors um, and writers. Uh, you know, the writers, the important people. <laughs> and the, well, well, they, well, they are getting paid. They did previously get paid, but they didn't, they're not getting paid their full sum. What they deserve and everything. But it's interesting to see all of this happen now. And uh, I, I'm ready for... Uh, I'm ready for this pandemic. I just don't know. I just thought it was going to be three weeks. I said, okay, we're going to have a little camp session at home. And it's going to be three. It's going to be three weeks. <laughs> it didn't turn out to be three weeks. That's what every famous person uh, has said on late night TV for the past um, eight months. <laughs> oh, I thought it was just going to be a couple of weeks. We're going to be at home. So stupid. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com. Where you can see me interview uh, your favorite comedians. If you want to see a video version of the show, head to youtube.com slash comedy. Where you can also see our premiere show, News Time. Which is a weekly news show. It's like the Daily Show, except less funny and way less serious this week. Where I take one topic and I talk about it for a long time. Uh, This week's episode is about streaming being being a, a, a television streamer internationally and how Netflix, Disney plus Apple TV, Peacock, CBS, all access discovery plus HBO max, how all of those work across the pond. And, uh, it's a love actually thumbnail and a love actually, um, style, uh, uh whatchamacallit, the uh, title. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at C plus comedy. Me, at Chad Black White. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Literally wherever you get your podcast. And it's time for me to go. Goodbye, sucker. It's funny because I keep hitting the same one. It's the wrong one. All right, here's the real outro. Goodbye, I'm going.